Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Intuition and the divine channel of pregnancy and birth. When I became pregnant, my inner voice was so clear, so beautifully strong that it was my guiding force. I moved through decisions and pathways guided by a clarity like no other time in my life. It was incredible. I didn't see any doctors or get any tests or any scans to tell me how my baby was doing. I knew. Instead, I focused my energy on connecting with the spirit of my child daily by giving myself belly massages and talking to him. I didn't know he was a him at the time because I didn't get any tests to tell me, but we had conversations throughout the day. I had infinite trust in me and him and the process of birth. In First Nations indigenous cultures in North America, they talk about how men need sweat lodges to connect to the divine because they don't give birth and they don't have periods. Women, on the other hand, have this constant monthly opening of the cervix, which is considered to be the door between life and death with menstruation and therefore have access to these divine realms on the regular. Men do not, and therefore they must seek out vision quests and challenges like sweat lodges that push them deep into themselves to find that divine connection. Women have it between their legs. In Bali, children are considered to be little demigods, and this is because they just come from heaven or the other worlds or however you want to refer to the spiritual planes beyond this one. And so they are thought to be most in touch with this pure spiritual energy. And thus, so is the pregnant woman. From the moment of conception, she is a vessel and an anchor for this energy to come into the world. I loved being pregnant. I could have been pregnant forever. <laughs> I loved having this next level, otherworldly, brilliant intuition and connection to the divine. I loved watching my body create completely through its own direction and encoded wisdom, new life. I loved being a vessel for that. In spiritual teachings all over the world, there is this idea woven through them that a woman leads a man home to God. She is more in touch with these divine realms because she is the doorway between them. So the woman through her vagina and through her cervix and especially through birth, she's a portal to God, to the heavens, to the spiritual worlds. Her entire pregnancy is a heightened state of being in which she has greater access to these areas every moment of her existence. How incredible is that? And then, once she gives birth in the way she was meant to, in complete power and sovereignty, her own body and connection with the divine guiding her every step 
every moment of the way, she emerges through this greatest warrior test a woman could be given, crossing the threshold of life and death. The queen of all shamans, bringing new life forward from the other worlds. Triumphant, embodying the true archetype of the goddess. She who slays all obstacles. The role of the archetypal mother, the queen, the pregnant woman, and her role as the ultimate spiritual shaman of this realm has been utterly denigrated. Instead of claiming this power she innately has, that every woman innately has, she is instead cajoled into participating in the most humiliating of rituals. And this starts at the beginning of her pregnancy with the constant hands up her vagina just because, or being strapped to machines that pulse ultra damaging and autism causing ionic radiation into her child's brain, all the way through submitting to endless poison shots for her children to keep them lifelong customers of the pharma whore medical system. The constant refrain is that she is utterly incapable of doing this, of birthing and raising healthy, beautiful, spiritual children without a team of strangers to help. And if we're being honest, sabotage the natural process. Her powers have all but been stripped from her. The most magical, powerful, awakening, transformative experience of a woman's life has been turned into torture and rape. And she emerges a haggard, ragged, lost, conquered, slavish being, a shadow of what she could be. The most powerful vehicle for light and life has been extinguished. Instead of using pregnancy and birth as the ultimate journey of self-realization and even God-realization, it becomes an initiation into powerlessness. The focus I place on birth is to awaken people to what they have been misled about it. The truth is this is what a natural, sovereign, empowered pregnancy and birth brings you. Knowing that you can do anything in your life if you can do this an even stronger link with your intuition and divine guidance that leads you through pregnancy, birth, and to all parts of your life. You've earned this and you get to keep it. A transcendent, pleasurable, and orgasmic birth, a deepened relationship and love of yourself and your body, a strengthened bond with your partner, an untraumatized child, which is a rarity in this world, who will also have a stronger connection to their innate knowing and the divine. You emerge from birth in a state of euphoria that lasts weeks, months, and even years. Today we're talking to Sylvie. She is a graduate of the Sexy Mama Salon that I run, and her first birth experience was less than ideal. And then armed with the confidence that she found through doing Sexy Mama, she had a totally free second pregnancy and birth, meaning she had no doctors, no midwives, no tests involved at any stage of the process, just her and her husband and then her baby. Welcome, Sylvie. I'm so delighted to have you here. So happy to be here. Thank you, Kim. So you have such an incredible all-star, wild and sovereign pregnancy and birth story that we would love to hear. All right. Uh, I just had my second son a couple of months ago, and it was a completely transformational birth experience and pregnancy. Thanks to your course, I, it was like the complete opposite end of the spectrum from my experience with my firstborn son. 
Uh, so it was just very refreshing and empowering. And I feel like I have been reborn the way you are supposed to be reborn with birth. So. I love it. And so you, like many women, had a first birth experience that was less than optimal, although I don't know how many women realize it at the time because they're just told like this is you, you have a baby, you have you, you're healthy, like baby's healthy. And then you came into my sexy mama salon where I present this whole other paradigm of what's possible in pregnancy and birth. And I really, even though I, my job is to provide you know, just a whole wealth of information for people to make their own decisions, I lean towards free birth and the idea that women are really capable and even meant to govern themselves throughout their pregnancy and certainly during their birth. And so what, what was the journey for you? Uh, it was definitely easier to make the decision for a wild pregnancy with the state of the world, the complete madness. But uh, so I had started with my first birth at a birth center where I thought it would be uh, respectful. And it very quickly became apparent that it was not as they were pushing the flu vaccine on me and telling me I needed to get the chickenpox vaccine. So I left their, um, their services and found a home birth midwife. And I was naive. I just thought that a oh, home birth meant that my wishes would be supported. I wasn't aware of all the rules that they come with and they don't disclose necessarily. So uh, at there, probably a week before I went, I gave birth on my estimated due date. And a week before my midwife sent me for an ultrasound. And at that point I had a, like a pretty strong gut intuition that ultrasounds were not good. But I bowed down and I drove in torrential rain to have this ultrasound and the ultrasound tech laughed and she was like, your baby is in position and perfect. And my midwife had kind of like, she was like, I can't find your baby. And I did know deep down everything was fine. But that is just one example of like the kind of relationship that we had. It was very much, uh, she was the authority figure and she always had two other women with her. And so when I went, when my sensations began, uh, I didn't even want to call her. I emailed her and that now in reflection shows me how much I did not want her in my birth space. When they arrived, I had planned on birthing in my bedroom because it's my safe space. I love it. It's where it wasn't where our baby was made, but it's like one of the places we love to like make love and it's our sanctuary. And, uh, we, I realized very quickly, I didn't want them in my bedroom. So we went into a room that we call the healing room to set up the birthing pool. And, but that was just because I didn't want them in my personal space. And then that was just kind of, it was very quick. It was four and a half hours, but as right before my son was going to arrive, she told me I needed to get out of the birthing pool because she saw blood. And she told my husband to have our bags ready because she was calling 911. And we were both in complete shock. Like what the fuck? Everything is fine. We thought, I mean, it's been four hours. It's been super easy going and chill. And the EMTs arrived and they looked at her like she was batshit crazy. And they looked at me and they said, you can birth your baby. And they were very respectful. They left, they went outside. And, but meanwhile, like in the nine to 11 minutes of waiting for them, 
I was forced to be out of the birthing pool. I had to be on all fours. She hooked me up to oxygen. She had one of her assistants like teaching me, coaching me how to breathe. I was hyperventilating probably because I couldn't, I was holding my baby who was um, pretty much like I was having to prevent my body from doing everything it wanted to do to birth my child. She was telling me I could not birth my child for safety reasons. And it was such a mind fuck. <laughs> and I always would go back for a while, like in my postpartum, I'd go back and I'd be like, I wish I had just birthed my son when rather than, you know, having to like hold that, hold him back. So immediately after the EMTs gave me permission, I birthed my son. He was fine. Of course, she like continued with her cascade of fear. And um, it was the first time I learned if I didn't birth my placenta within an hour, she would have to transfer me. I had never heard that before. I had never known to ask. I didn't know that that was even a thing. So at like minute 45, you know, when I'm just so stressed out because my placenta hasn't been born, but I have my baby. And the last thing I want is to go to the hospital, but it feels like I can't refuse anything. Now I know better. Uh, that like literally minute 55, the placenta was birthed and that was that. But I was up till 1130 in this space that we call the healing room instead of in my sanctuary of my bedroom. And it like looking back, it's just oh, everything could have been, it's all good. It was what got me to where I am today and with the second birth. And all in all, you know, I, I wasn't transferred to the hospital. It wasn't what it could have been. But for me and our experience, it was still more than it, it didn't need to be that way. So, yeah. And what I find interesting in listening to you talk is this you've said a couple a few times even that then they gave me permission to like oh, yeah. I was allowed to right and that is the whole narrative that's just so completely drilled into people's heads right mm -hmm. it's like that they they tell you what you can do at what stage and even though I mean I love that your intuition was clear about you were fine and even the metaphor of not wanting them in your personal space not wanting mm -hmm. them in your bedroom right and and then that rigid, you know, the, the podcast I just did was about this idea that midwives have been co-opted into the allopathic system, primarily or medwives, right? More of the, the state hospital sort of midwife. And they are relegated by these same time limits that if you don't adhere to, then it's immediately into inter intervention land. And that it's just so the antithesis of what midwives were meant to be, which was facilitators and, um, you know, put, putting the power back into you rather than taking it from you. Or like you said, being the authority figure. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And I had like asked for no Doppler monitoring. And of course they chose to do that even, you know, and it was like, you're in this state where it can be hard to fight. And, but I was, I was, very much in the um, mindset of all of my programming for my childhood, all the movies I had seen, all that I had ever heard about birth, I was doing it right by having the home birth midwife. Of course, she was going to keep me safe, me and my baby safe. I didn't know. Right. right. Well, you, I mean, you did, you did reasonably well. You did pretty well considering I did. like, you know, what could have happened or like the things they could have done. And thankfully that the EMTs came and were like, 
huh, yeah. some problem here, right? Because they were probably the, the point, which if they had said, no, 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 we got to just, it's protocol or whatever, we need to take her away. Right. You know, it could have been very different. And, and miraculously, that even with those interruptions, you were still able to proceed because for many women, that amount of interruption and interference might be the, the stopping point for them, right? Which then becomes called labeled stalled right. labor and right. then needs more interventions when it's really just the fact that people were interfering with a natural process that it's hard to get back in that flow again. But that's really, it's amazing that you were able to shows a lot about my very determined sons and I'm determined uh, too, but he, uh, <laughs> the combination. So then what shifted? How did you emerge out of that experience and into what you recently did? I was in a pretty dark spot, even though I live in, I was like showered with love and meals and my postpartum could have been considered really supported and blissful. I went into a period of just like complete confusion around the transformation into motherhood, but I always wanted to be a mother. So it just didn't really make any sense, like why I was struggling so much and I lost touch with who I was. And I followed your work. I saw your new course, the sexy mama course. This was a couple of years ago. And I emailed and I said, is this appropriate? Even though I'm not pregnant, uh, I will be at some point, you know, again. And you guys responded saying, of course, because you have lifetime access and, you know, it's just valuable information regardless of where you're at. And of course, it had, has like the salons with information on stuff that's so important for when your child is growing up. But at first I wasn't sure. And I'm so happy I made the investment because as I was going through the weeks and doing the calls with you in one of the calls, I shared with you a bit about my birth and my postpartum depression that I was dealing with, or like what I guess you could like label as whatever. And, um, I don't really PTSD. like, PTSD. I don't like labels. Yeah. Some well, PTSD. PTSD. Like I call, I don't even acknowledge as though that's a real thing in terms of a natural outcome of, Oh, you know, just having been pregnant. I would say that pretty much every case, I mean, I haven't looked at every case, but I would say that it's a result of having an interfered with birth. Right. Is that then women are dealing with the fallout of that on some level of this experience being robbed from them in varying degrees, right. Mm -hmm. Of violence and that they're struggling to come to terms with it, especially when they can't name it, especially when they can't acknowledge that this did not go, or they can sort of say it didn't go the way they planned, but then they get the pat on the head and it's like, well, just be grateful, dear. Like you, everything's fine. Baby's fine. And some people I know have just gone through it. And I spoke to them last night and did a sort of debrief with them. And they were, but they had like enlisted in the hospital system. They did, they'd had several miscarriages in their relationship. And I think they were scared. Mm. And so they, she's older, she's in her mid forties. And so she gets labeled as a high risk geriatric is the term they like to tell them. So she was, they were invested in that system. And I just watched from the sidelines being like, I just, I just think it's so difficult to go to enter into the system 
And then people think that they're going to end up with a natural birth at the end of it. And it's kind of like a giant pyramid scheme. They're not going to let you get out of there without, you know, (laughs) she ended up with a C-section, like, you know, of course, the major crisis, blah, 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 emergency, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it becomes one, a manufactured one in that setting, but they were enrolled in the process the entire way of like getting tests throughout the pregnancy, ultrasounds, tests, appointments, fingers up the vagina, hands up the vagina as some unnecessary, but very ritualistic, you know, act. And of course, of course. And so, you know, we were debriefing because I can, at least they're acknowledging, you know, like the, violation that's happened and and processing that rather than just being like well you know like it was just a big emergency and which I think there's some of that but just had to happen so anyway all this to say that I think that the depression is just the no outlet for acknowledging the grief the sadness the frustration the you know regret of what's happened and then many women I think then I love that to see when they get the chance to redo it to rebirth Mm -hmm. that and that often their story is that then it really helps to cleanse and heal their prior experiences where they may not have had the same kind of power and autonomy definitely yes and in one of the calls you were able to help me or like it was like with the information in the salon and in the conversation in the call where I was able to be like oh, that makes so much sense. My power was taken from me. It was not supposed to be that way. Of course, I'm confused. Like my, you know, so that was literally like the door opening for me. I remember so distinctly because it was around this time of year. And I remember just like looking outside after the call and being like, okay, like I can see in this, it was really refreshing and helpful. Oh, so thank you for that. And at the time, I loved everything in the salon, but I was definitely a little overwhelmed or kind of, I wasn't ready for the information on a wild pregnancy. And I was like, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'll just find a hands-off midwife. Like I had, I don't know what I really was processing, but I remember I didn't really do that challenge week. I was just like, I'm not gonna, I don't need to do that right now. And I did the other work, I did other work, you know, and it was all awesome. And then fast forward to last fall when I was pregnant again and a couple months pregnant and I was redoing the course and I dove right in and it was so easy to do. And it, cause I had already been having a wild pregnancy, like from July when, well, early August when we conceived to when the course was going on a couple months later, like that period was already a wild pregnancy. And I had no intention of of going for any, any support in the medical system. But then I was able to do the course in like this whole other way of diving deep with all the resources of really like being surrounded by the beautiful stories of what birth can look like pregnancy and birth can look like when it's left undisturbed with just a mama and her intuition. That's amazing. And so your, I think you had said that to me earlier before we started the official recording about how your, that's what you really felt in the second pregnancy is that your intuition wasn't going, wasn't interfered with, where mm-hmm. in the first one, there was this grappling then between your intuition and the authority of the system or the midwife. Yep. 
yeah, I did meet with one who, a woman who's considered the alternative non-medicalized midwife in the area. My, my old friend who had helped nanny for a while, she had bartered with her for her first pregnancy. And she, everyone just says like, she's the one, she's the one who's okay with you, like doing whatever you want to do during birth. So I met with her thinking this could be a good fit. I might just want to be witnessed by a wise woman. And she said, I forget what the, but she was like, and I'll, I'll have Pitocin with me. And I was like, excuse me. And she was like, you know, in case your placenta needs help. Like, and I was like, cause she said she'd be willing to sit in her car in my driveway while I birthed, even though, even that I was like, I don't even want you in my driveway. And I was realizing this as we were talking but I appreciated that she, she was excited. She was like, I'm excited to meet a woman who trusts birth. This is an honor for me. And I, we did bond and have like a really nice conversation. And I, I think that she is great, but it became very apparent that she didn't trust birth completely because she firmly believes after her 30 years of practice, that if the placenta is not born quite soon after that she needs to intervene. And that's when I was like, yeah, I can't. And I, I, I told, when she asked why I wasn't hiring her, I told her and she was like, well, I don't have to. And I was like, no, but your fear is already there. And I was able to then realize like what, when someone else comes in with fear or baggage, what that can do to the space. So I I did not continue that business relationship with her. That's amazing. I love that, that you were able to identify that and then tell her too, you know, and then because it's like people who have, you know, I'm a pretty extreme person in a lot of ways in my beliefs and like being very committed to them. Right. And so I think that in this kind of endeavor with a wild pregnancy and a wild birth, free birth, free pregnancy is that you have to be fully committed. You have to know in yourself fully. And if there is any of that doubt, like the work, the whole point of that sexy mama program is to do the work and clear any fear, doubt, Mm -hmm. blockage, you know, ahead of time. And so we've cleared the space. We've feng shui'd the space for the birth to just be easy and effortless and without any issues but without that being done or anything that's brought into the space is all reverberations and felt in the experience so so you went ahead so your your pregnancy was basically without any kind of monitoring right I I just did a lot of uh different meditation like where I'd lay in bed at night or during the day and I'd tune in with my babe but nothing professional with no one other than, I guess I did have a, um, a blessing way with some wise women who are in the authentic uh, birth keeper realm that I became connected with again, thanks to your podcast, because you had interviewed Emily Saldea of Rebirth Society and Yolanda Norris Clark. And then I learned about um, the membership program that Emily runs and I was able to join that and meet some radical sisters in the area and they did a blessing way for me and I got some henna and some belly rubs that day which was awesome because I don't have anyone in the area like my my friend group in the area who's like really into that stuff so it's been that was awesome 
to have that's that. That's hilarious that you even, you're like, I said, did you have any monitoring? And you're like, well, I had a blessing way. Like <laughs> they, they run. that was like the closest like touch the that I got other than my husband to- and, I, and my son. Yeah. Um, yeah. The closest thing to any kind of outside influence, which isn't, I wouldn't even call it that. That's just a whatever community experience. So then how did you go into the birth? How was that? I, so around, um, I had been doing some meditation work with a woman who I, so I guess like one thing I do want to add to my story is just that my, my husband fully supported me. He was the one who had proposed home birth with our firstborn. Uh, and so he fully supported the idea of me going without anyone medical, but he was definitely still struggling with a little bit of the um, PTSD from what we had experienced with our firstborn. And he was like, I I would really like to have someone just like who can just be there to hold space. So I, I had hired a woman around probably 30 weeks who she knew that I wanted to be alone. It was a authentic birth keeper that had done the um, course that Emily and Yolanda run. And so she knew that I did not want to be interfered with during my birth, except for maybe like a background, like some counter pressure if it was needed. Uh, but that I was really hiring her because my husband just needed someone to like bring the energy down. Like he's good at grounding, but he can very quickly like come up and uh, when things get exciting. So, but what was great is even though I, because I had voiced that I didn't actually want I wanted to do it alone. Uh, my, my birth was only a quarter of 1am. I was woken up and he was born at three 30. So she wasn't even here. So I got kind of my wish, but I got to do like meditations with her and some unpacking before between that and the work from sexy mama and the audio that you provide, like with our words, And then another meditation, I felt really clear about the birth. Like I knew it was going to happen at night. I felt okay if it didn't, if it happened during the day and my son was awake, it wasn't a big deal, but I felt confident that it would happen at night and it would be really quick, but I was also okay if it was going to be three days, that was fine. And my, um, we had like back-to-back birthdays in our family and it was just a little chaotic. And my husband's birthday was on the fifth. And then literally at midnight, I woke up and I was like, that could be something. And I went back to bed and at 1245, I woke up and I was like, that was definitely something. And that was on the, just like, I like to joke. It was like, my son literally waited for his own birthday right after his dad. (laughs) So I love that. You know, when you say that about, it sounded like you had the intuition, it would be nighttime or like I've heard a couple times now women talk about how, um, you know, they had, a, they were going to bring in an outside influence, but one, or because they maybe had just a residual, like you say it, like from your partner or their own residual fear, but they also knew they could do it. And so they construct their birth in a way that that person can't come. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like somebody I just interviewed gave birth in a car. 
They Love were it. on the way to the hospital and they had to stop and pull over. And the husband comes around the side of the passenger seat where she is and looks and the baby's head is already out looking at him blinking. Right. Oh my and gosh. then they just, they just pull it out. And um, so it just, it's, you know, it's come to me that women will then create these things if they're for whatever reason, not quite there, but pretty close, right? 99%. Mm-hmm. And then they've put this little safety net there that they just manufacture a situation, create a situation where they don't need it. Oh yeah. I didn't wake my husband up. I did not want, I love him <laughs> so much, but it's like, I just, I can do this alone. Like I'm going to do it alone. I don't, you know, and by the time he woke up eventually, and he did a little counter pressure. He tried lighting a candle and I looked at him and I, it, it was as if someone turned a, like the brightest light on in the room. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was, or I said like, blow that out. I don't know exactly what I said. And, and then I saw he had his phone and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm texting um, our, like the woman who was coming. And I was like, what? Like, why? Like, so he knows already for our next baby, like, he can just literally just not worry. I mean, he knows now like to just really leave me alone. I guess I didn't go over that enough with him, (laughs) but it was great. It was literally only like the last 45 minutes and he was so sweet and he was in awe and couldn't believe it because I got to catch our son with my own two hands and he didn't have, he literally, he just, he was just in complete awe and it was great. So it was good. It was very um, healing for him too. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say, have you noticed in yourself? Like I talked about that, um, a, the healing that you can have after a birth experience that then cleanses the palate of like a prior experience that isn't ideal. And also you as a mother, a woman emerging out of that, you know, because we talk about birth in its ideal state where you are sovereign, you are free, that it is this wonderful rebirthing, initiating experience. So what was the difference for you coming out of EAT? Did you notice that? And did this have that effect of healing your first birth? Definitely healed my first birth, like completely. That was, I think, the first thing that came to mind within hours of being just like snuggled in bed as a family was, wow, this is how, this is the experience that I was supposed to have. And I'm so happy to have had and so healing. And uh, I would say my energy levels are completely different. My outlook and positivity, like I'm considered a positive person by people, but I don't think I was necessarily like authentic. You know, now I really feel like authentic in my outlook as a mother and as an individual. And I I just, I don't know, I'm like excited. I'm really excited (laughs) and I want to do it all again. It was also, it was just awesome where I'm like, yeah, I totally want to do that again. And I would love to tell everyone my story. People generally don't necessarily, you know, they're kind of like, what? Um, Because people are so brainwashed to believe how it should be, like all the interventions and the discomfort. So, so I feel, I feel like I shed a really old skin and I got just, I feel great. 
And how many months postpartum are you now? How old is exactly you? five, five as of like two days ago. You look radiant. Thanks. I feel, yeah, I feel, and I just, I'm so in love. I've always, obviously like, I love my kids, but I'm just like, so in love. I'm like, oh, this is how it's just all there. There's no, there's no that weird baggage that I had like kind of been carrying before. So. And that's interesting. Cause I think that so many people live with that baggage and they have no idea where it comes from. And that's become, that's why this has become a major focus in my work is that in a couple's relationship in even their sex life, the trauma that they sustain in a more intervention oriented birth is massive, but nobody understands that or acknowledge or even knows that to look there as a source for that. And that's why I do a lot to bring that attention and to reframe what it can be for people as the ultimate cumulative orgasmic act out of their sex act. So anything else that you want to share about your journey and how you've emerged and any advice you would give to women? I would say definitely dive deep into your course, any of them, but the sexy mama one, if you're pregnant or going to be pregnant or you were pregnant, any, I mean, any level, it's just so helpful. It goes through so many different stages in life and all of that was awesome. Uh, I'm just, I'm super grateful for you for opening the door for me because I wouldn't have discovered I'm not on social media. And like, I just don't know if I would have discovered these, um, other resources and outlets and your podcast and your courses have really just been huge for me. Like I said earlier, I think before we were recording, my son knows your voice, <laughs> my four-year-old, he really knows your voice. Oh, <laughs> I, love, so <laughs> I love that. I love so, that. Yeah. So thank you. And it's great just to have your it is like all like your recent podcast on how to talk to children about sex. It's like all these things where you're just like, yeah, how do I raise my children? Because we, I got so much, so many wrong messages and just like fucked up shit from my childhood and the people, my family or the people around me and no one meant to do it on purpose. You know, it's not, they didn't know, but <laughs> so I'm excited to have the resources from you. So thank you so much my pleasure I'm so glad to see it and to watch the evolution and for people to I mean the courage right like I'm so impressed and in awe of the courage that women have to step out of the system because it, there is so much programming and so to step away from all of that and to operate in full faith of the power and ability of your own body is immense. So, yeah. yes. And it, it's great. I mean, the, I love, I love growing and expanding and just say, and realizing, okay, like that is possible. It can, it, cause it felt intimidating early on. And then when I got pregnant, it was like, no, that is so right for the second time. Well, I think too, like what I felt when I was pregnant is this, like, I felt like my intuition was even stronger as a person, right? Like I just had much, so much clarity about what I needed to do. And maybe because I was already a, at a stage where I was, 
I'd been on a growth journey for a few years and, you know, was on this path of eating organic food and like living out in nature. And so I was opening up the channels for that level of intuition to be a daily thing, a regular thing, moment to moment thing. And then becoming pregnant, I feel like just heightened that where I was like, this is so amazing. Like my body knows exactly what to do. Like I don't need to interfere. I don't need to do anything other than just allow it to emerge and that wisdom to emerge. So it was really clear to me. And I thought that, you know, and I, I guess like when I hear women talk about like being, um, they hated being pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how could like to me the only way I can see that is if they already have a really difficult relationship with their body and it's difficult for them to be in their body right they're quite dissociated from their body and so because pregnancy brings you right in is or it's meant to that they they just they can't deal right that's like that's really awful for them I think that's exactly right when someone's disassociated or they have trauma that they have that's unresolved, they don't like yeah. pregnancy. Oh, I love being pregnant. It's great. Yeah. The, uh, and the spiritual like awareness piece is so true. Cause I think I was just not fully in my, I wasn't fully in my power, like as a person when I got pregnant the first time. And then I hired the midwives, that whole story, but the second go around, what a difference. And you're right. Yeah. Your intuition is like so much more clear. Psychic, I know I kind of wish powers. that pregnancy state could last forever. Right. But, yeah. but I think, I think when you have an empowered birth, it does like there is a massive carryover. Maybe it's not quite as heightened, but those gifts of the intense, um, the real connection to your inner voice and being in tune with your body and then that sense of power and knowing that you're this divine channel i do think that that carries over like you're wearing that now right like you become that you emerge as that newfound and fully owned person i agree i think that it definitely carries over totally yeah thank you so much for all of it which experience would you rather have? You get to choose. The other big lie is that birth is such a random, out of your control endeavor that you are simply at the mercy of whatever fate throws at you. Nothing could be further from the truth. You can seize the power and create the pregnancy you want and create the birth you want, but it doesn't come without effort. The programming and hysteria around birth is massive and it can seem daunting, but you can rewrite the entire story from the depths of your cells, going further than the superimposed trauma that's been deposited there, down into the wisdom and knowing that every single creature on this planet has naturally. My Sexy Mama Salon is all about how to get there. We strip away the programming and the brainwashing to bring you back into your center and your power to know that you, you alone, you with a partner, have every iota of knowledge and wisdom within you to do this and to make it the most orgasmic, self-defining, rebirthing moment of your life. Check out the Sexy Mama Salon at kimanami.com. Look for Sexual Savant Salons and then click on Sexy Mama. The salon is open now for registration. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.